the end, we're going to have that same fellowship with God that they had back in the Garden of Eden. If we stay faithful to Him. Beautiful. Outstanding. They enjoyed that fellowship day after day, that heavenly communion, that spiritual walk with their heavenly father day after day. But one day Satan came to tempt them, to draw them away. And he started with a question, question form. And he still does that today. In many ways, he questions God's authority. He came and presented this question. Hath God really said, question God's authority. What about this tree of life here? And he gave gave, uh, an idea that God is not good. If God was good, he would allow you to have some of that fruit on that tree. Now, God's trying to hold something from you. He's not really as good as he says he really is. That's what Satan was pounding upon Eve. He is only restricting you. Confining you. Take and eat. Find liberty. And Satan said, if you take of that fruit, your eyes will be open. You become smart, intelligent. You know good from evil. You understand at a whole deeper level. As she analyzed that fruit, it was delicious looking and finally She caved in and took of that fruit. The impact of that decision and also Adam is still with us today. See the impact? And maybe you say to yourself, I'm only sitting here and I hardly rate. You don't hardly rate. You rate very high. There's going to be a lot of people looking to you. Little ones. Young people. The church of Jesus Christ is looking to you. Are you faithful? In portraying the love of Jesus Christ. Your choices will have a tremendous impact. Upon the community. Your family in a powerful way. The magnitude of wrong choices. Will affect us in a powerful way. God give us wisdom. On the hills of Adam and Eve. Wrong choices. We've seen Cain and his Major problems. Cain knew precisely God's plan to bring the perfect offering to God. But he thought, there's another way. There's another alternative to please God. He wanted to please God in his terms. Don't you see that today? A lot around us. I can have the kingdom of God. I can have the church. But it's on my terms. My uh, understanding is what we see many times. And here we have Cain coming forth. And God was very displeased with Cain's offering. But he said, I will give you a second chance. But Cain did not listen on God. The wounded pride and the jealousy turned into anger against Abel. The one that had the perfect offering. And through that anger, that jealousy, it turned into a raging anger, into murder. Sad scenario. The repercussions of Cain's life is devastating. The choices he made affect a whole generation. 
What a sad commentary that came forth. And we could talk about Lot all morning long. All his wrong choices affected the spiritual legacy of his own family. The flesh was dictating Lot. He took his family into that great city. He saw the well-watered plains. He saw the easy lifestyle. The riches attracted him. And he thought, I can be faithful. I can be strong and still flirt with the world and its values. It did not pan out. He lost his wife. A lot of his family has gone. He was faithful. Devastating results. Some years ago, I worked with a young family and knew them quite well for many years. They came from the world and they were on fire for the Lord for many years. And I saw them pursue life and they, they, they were heading up. They were growing in Christ. They loved the kingdom of God. They loved the church. And we had a lot of good discussions in the barn talking about reality, life. And I was happy. And I was delighted to always go to their house and talk about uh, the kingdom values. That was his interest. That was his delight. But there was church problems. Later on in his journey... And there was misunderstandings in the church. Arose. Little by little. And finally, there came a point where they started questioning the goodness of God. And started questioning the body of Christ. There was misunderstandings and bitterness started brewing. And they... They were right here. And I remember sitting in the living room pleading with him, don't pursue the life of Lot. I said, if you get bitter, I said, you're going to lose all your family and all your children to the world. You're going to go back to the vomit where you came from. I pleaded long and hard with him in his living room at that very point right there. And he was in tears. And he knew that he set his jaw They did it to me. They did me dirty. They did me wrong. It's their fault. They they misunderstood me. And there was definitely two sides to the equation. I understand that. I felt like they needed to release and let everything go. And let it into God's hands and let him judge righteously according to his standard. Well, today, they left the church. They're in the world Their children wear shorts, cut hair, and divorce and remarriage and everything will be in their family in years to come. Devastating. Them little precious souls. Them little children. I love them little boys and girls in their family. It's gone. The power of their choice is ruining everything that God has given to them. I can't hardly have it. But I have to let it go. And realize the devastation of bitterness. And we all get disappointed in life. I, I experience a lot of disappointments in, in life. Myself. But don't question the goodness of God when you're disappointed. When broken dreams come forth. Don't question the goodness of God. Just hang on for dear life. And look to Him. And He'll bring you through 
and on the other side in a good way. If you hang on to him and stay the course. Yes, life is not fair. Every time you face the most difficult experience in your life, don't compare yourself with the brotherhood. Go to Jesus Christ. He was beaten and battered and shattered on every hand. And he took it gracefully. And the answers are there. Lord, I forgive them. For they know not what they're doing. That's the answer. That's what brings me through every time. If I compare myself with my brother, well, he's flowing good and I'm struggling. I look like I'm a defeated foe here. I'm not making it through. So look to Jesus Christ. Remember King Saul, he started out on the right track. When he was little, in his own eyes. That's the key. If we could say humble and broke, broken before God, we could make it to the other shore. But we know the outcome. He become very proud, arrogant. He was good looking. He was tall. He had a lot of things going for him. He had the ability to rule well. But pride leaked its way into his heart and destroyed the very fibers of his condition with with God. Totally destroyed his walk with God. God took the kingdom away from him eventually. And the sad part about Saul is he died. The spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And he was hopelessly defeated. Gone. And that's what Satan wants to do with all of us. He wants to destroy every good aspect of your life. He wants to kill you. Hate you. There's nothing good in the kingdom of this world. Everything in the kingdom of God is life-giving, is wonderful. Sometimes we don't always experience it right away. But stay the course. He'll begin to feed you and nourish you and and uh, help you grow in your walk with the Lord. Life and death are in your hands. God has given us the power of choice. He could just made us robots where we could just all just perform exactly the way he wanted us to perform. But he gets the highest glory when we decide to choose him against all odds. I'm going to stay with Jesus. I'm going to please him. I'm going to walk with him. That delights him. That brings him the highest glory. When there's all kinds of allurements out here in the world, and you say no to that and say yes to Jesus Christ and his kingdom, that makes him smile. That makes him glorious. And that's what he really wants from his children, that we would just fall down at his feet and stay humble before him and always give glory to God continually. And I see that in in light of Jesus Christ when he was here on this earth. He always gave glory to his heavenly father, always. He said, I don't do nothing outside of the will of the father. I always do the will of the father and I can't do nothing without the will of the father. And he said, why call me good and why call me great? There's only one great. You see the the character of Jesus coming out over and over. And he rode on a donkey. He took the low seat in every uh, given situation. Always giving glory to God. Always. His life was rich. His life was full. Even yet he was facing pain with the rejection of his own people. But he was full. Enlarged. And full of fulfillment as he walked in that manner. 
I had a message a while back on submitting one to another in the fear of God. It did something for for me more than I realized. It's a living reality in heaven, even yet today. When you have God, he's overall, and Jesus is still submitting to God because he don't know when the day will come when God says, go get my children. So in reality, he's still submitting. He don't know. And you have the Holy Spirit is still subject to God. And you have the angels that are subject to God. Everybody is subject. It's a beautiful picture of the reality of submitting one to another in the kingdom of God. It's a living reality over there. He wants it in the kingdom of God here on earth where we submit one to another. There's no power struggles in the church of Jesus Christ. And there's no power struggles in heaven. The angels are not, I want to be like God. No, they're all submitted one to another, subjected under God. And he wants that in the church of Jesus Christ. But too many times there's jealousy, there's power struggles, and all kinds of other issues. And we're missing the beauty of submitting one to another in the fear of God. And that's not my message, but the Lord gave me that to share as well. It's a beautiful picture. And I just, I feel like the more I submit myself to my brothers and sisters in Christ, my perception of God, of His kingdom, grows and is enhanced and inspires me more, more and more. But we have this individualistic idea, and there's one brother that I have talked to. He feels like if he submits to the body, it's going to make him narrow-minded. It's going to restrict him, put him in a box that he's going to miss this connection with God. I said, brother, it's the other way. Eliminate that old self-preservation um, idea and look to Jesus Christ, and he will... Bless you and enhance your perception in a powerful way. Your choices will lead you one way or another. Life is very serious. Multitudes of people are on the broad way, deceiving and being deceived that they are on the right way. You know, the most disappointing thing that will happen to multitudes of people. They're going to think they're right. When they meet Jesus, God's going to say, I don't even know you. You had a great profession, and you might have did great things, but I have not had your heart. Your eye was somewhere else, but you say you're in the kingdom of God. That's going to be devastating. And when we know the truth and not walk in the truth, we become deceived. Deception is going to come forth from our life. Let's be open. Let's be transparent. Let's embrace the truth. Let's agree with it so we don't end up into bondage, into deception, and hear them awful words someday depart from me. We truly live in perilous times. Men are lovers of their own selves, proud, boastful, unthankful, disobedient, no fear of God. Young people are disobedient to parents. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. We see a real pursuit after pleasure. Making choices. Stimulating the flesh. Always got to be stimulated somehow. Making choices. If you're always trying to find stimulation through your cell phone, the social media, someday you're going to find your pl- place. And it's going to be empty. It's going to be a holler. The devil has one agenda to get you 
totally convinced that he has life in his hands. He takes you on by the sugar-coated events and um, whatever out there, allurements. And then he drops you and gives you death. That's what he does. We're going to have to believe God against that kingdom in the world. I wish I could say it's all out there, the lovers of this world. No fear of God, but it's among us. It's a sad commentary among the church of Jesus Christ. Let's guard our hearts, for out of it are the issues of life. Some good Bible characters here. Righteous Noah feared God and made excellent choices. And I love looking at that example over and over of Noah. He obeyed God down to the very small details of life. When God said, put pitch in the ark and also outside the ark, he could argue with God. God, you know, this, this don't make no sense. You only need pitch on the outside. It makes sense, right? No. He obeyed God in every detail, and that was the saving of his house. No other alternative. Nothing. Against all the uh, spiritual uh, things that he did, he obeyed God. In spite of all the wickedness, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He walked with the Lord in a deep way. And we are blessed today because of of, of Noah. Noah, life uh, brings life. His choices bring life in a powerful way. Another example is uh, Joseph. Joseph, life could have turned out totally different. He could have drowned himself in self-pity. It wasn't fair to be ripped away from his family, his community, everything he knew, and to be sold into Egypt. That rejection was great. It was a setup for bitterness in the highest degree, and that could have destroyed him completely. But he did not focus on the unfairness. He knew God was going to bring him through. God had a, a better plan for him, and he stated he stayed the course with God. He didn't question God's goodness through it all. And it's a blessing to see his commendable choices. Hard choices. Wasn't easy to make them good choices against all the wickedness in Egypt. But he chose to stay with God. Stay on the course with God. Joseph's passion was to keep God in the center of his life, regardless how hard it was. And he passed the greatest test. That's astounding. When Potiphar threw her life in front of him, he could have done it. There was no parents there. There was no church there. There was no accountability in Egypt. Zero. He was only one person in the midst of all the ungodliness. He could have said, I can do it. And nobody will know. So what kept, what kept him from falling? What kept him glorious and set apart his love for Jesus Christ? He knew God was looking down and he could see all things. And he didn't want to hurt God by falling into this wrong relationship. Outstanding, wonderful example of righteousness, holiness. 
and of a deep connection with his heavenly father. Outstanding. When he was thrown into prison, he came out glorious, made right choices over and over and over. The grace of God was upon his life. Continually. Wonderful. Are we that way? Brothers and sisters, when you step outside this community, go on a wedding trip, you go on a trip somewhere, what is your thoughts? Where is your heart? Is your heart telling you, now I can do a few things different than I do at home. I can sneak in and do this and I can pursue this and that. Nobody's going to know. That's the mindset of too many people in our day and age. And I have seen it and I have heard it. People going on wedding trips and they do all kinds of stuff they'd never do in this community. Why? They don't have the awareness of God. There's not a fear of God. God is not preeminent in their life. They're, they're totally controlled by peer pressure. You know, we need good peer pressure. But if that's how you're governed, you're not walking with Jesus. You're not walking in the fullness of the resurrection power and experiencing divine life within. So make choices based on the kingdom values. Each decision will lead you further away from God or closer to the heart of Jesus Christ. Each choice you make will stimulate pride in your life or humility. Pursue the low road where Jesus Christ is. When you pursue the low road and walk where he is at, there's divine power and grace available beyond your comprehension. Many times when I'd struggle and not get through is because of pride. When I humble myself and say, God, you could have it all. I'm going to go down to the very floor and give you everything. That's when the grace, the power, the ability to experience the resurrection power comes from. He resists the proud. gives grace to the humble. God's going to be against everybody that is against him. And anybody that's full of pride, he is going to be against them individual. To take the low road where Jesus Christ is. Many years ago, there was a family that went around and, and I'm sure there's many families that did this, that spread the gospel through songs and had that wonderful ministry. Went to prisons, went to other places. But there is an alarming thing that's coming forth from being in the public eye. They were in the public eye for a long time and they got a lot of praise and recognition to the highest degree. Pride started leaking in. Worldliness started leaking in. And he started walking away from the principles of God's word. What I'm warning you here this morning is professionalism. It's devastating. Professionalism will de- uh, desensitize a person. Will bring a person down. And will not be able to see clearly. Put cataracts in your eyes and you will not see. And I feel like we're living in a world where their push is to become great and good at everything you do. Through singing or preaching and teaching. And I'm afraid 
we're missing the spirit of God and humility of Christ in these areas. We're just pushing toward this professionalism and it's killing our churches of today. The praise and recognition of men trying to do a great job so you can hear good job, wonderful job. In Christ's kingdom, he always gave glory to his heavenly father. Let's be careful. It can really ruin our life. And I have saw many singing families start out good. And today you wonder what happened. It's a living reality. It's among us. It's a good work. It's a good ministry. But they could not handle the praise of men. And we need to be aware of that. None of us can. Let's stay humble, broken, teachable. And I had to think about some of these families that moved toward that ministry. If they wouldn't have pursued that ministry to that level, they might be among us today. Right here in the kingdom of God. Pride is very destructive. It will desensitize a person. The choices that we make today today will be carried forth in a tremendous way, influence thousands and thousands of people. There's one thing, when I studied this message, I pondered Adam and Eve. I'm going to go back to them and make a few more comments. Remember in the garden they had pure hearts. They didn't lack nothing. No questions asked. They had pure hearts. Did that keep them? Did that really keep them? My next question. So where is the keeping power? Where is the missing link? And we hear, I'm going to jump out of this for a second. We hear a lot of people say, I have a good heart. Don't touch me. My heart is pure. Have you ever heard that? Well, we know Adam and Eve definitely had pure hearts. There was no sin there. Zero. To build upon that premise is not going to keep you. It's not going to sustain you. So where is the keeping power? As you look at Adam and Eve, where is the keeping power? And it's very simple theology. And that is found in obedience. That's your keeping power. Not how you feel. Not how your heart is. Not how your professionalism is. Your profession. It's going to be found in obedience. When they disobeyed is when they lost their connection with God. To stay connected in the kingdom of God in the fullest, highest level, you're going to have to obey God and stay the course and agree with Him completely. That's the keeping power. That's what you need to pursue. Obedience. Total obedience. Nothing other. That's going to keep you on the right track. There's other theologies out there, but that's going to keep you where you need to be. I see a lot of people making heart decisions. They say, I did it from my heart. Is that accurate? We need to go and line up with the word of God. Is this according to the obedience of Christ? Is this in the word of God? Is this according to what Jesus wants me to do? 
Not saying, you know, I, I have a good heart and I'm smart and I'm intelligent. I can do it. Or we see many people making decisions in an impulsive way. They don't think. They don't analyze. They don't consider Jesus. They don't consider advice. They know they're smart. They're intelligent. They make impulsive decisions. Get it right now because it pleases me like Samson. Head decisions. Human wisdom decisions. Peer pressure decisions. Rationalizing things in your mind till you think they are from God when they're only from yourself. We can justify everything. The justification for application is among us. You can justify anything by an application. You can convince others that I'm buying this and doing this because it'll benefit me here and here. And you can build up a whole big list. But is it truly directed by the Holy One, Jesus Christ? Remember, Jesus says, I will not do anything outside the Father. And he had authority to do everything according to his own understanding. Way more than what we are allowed. And yet we take the chance that he never took. Are these impulsive decisions, head decisions, and all these other things, are they producing the righteousness of God? Is righteousness coming out of your life? In a powerful way. You know your choices reveal to us all. How obedient you are to Christ. I said this before. Many declare that their heart is right. Through an outstanding profession. And I have. I have people in my own family. That dress worldly. The fleshes govern them, and yet they have a wonderful testimony of, of Jesus Christ, of the love that comes from Him. Does it make sense? Is the kingdom of God that messed up? No, they're on the wrong course. And they're hiding around their great, they're behind their uh, profession and saying they're right with God. Remember, Jesus Christ said there in the Sermon on the Mount, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. There is again, total obedience. The ones that will make it through will do the will of the Father. They're making it through. Praise the Lord. And all the ways acknowledge him, and he will direct thy paths. May Christ fully direct all 35,000 decisions that you make daily. All the impulsive decisions I have made in my life always come out with regrets. And I could tell you lots of stories of making impulsive decisions and wishing I was out of that hole. And it's like, why did I move too fast? But I can say today, the times where I would sleep on it for a day or two, pray and fast and seek God, seek advice from the body or family, whatever, they are the decisions I have no regrets there are things that took me on to higher ground. It's sad to say that I have made many decisions that led me down through my own selfishness. I know. I'm smart and I thought through this. Get it from me now. Comes out on the side of regret. 
So pray. Seek the Lord. Always. Before making a weighty decision, I have a list here. Seek Christ's wisdom first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Fully lay it before the Lord in prayer continually. Always wait patiently on an answer. And I don't know how it is for you, and I shared this at St. Thomas. When I was a young Christian, I used to fast numerous times for several days. And I would look at it and it's like, well, Lord, you said there's going to be a reward in this. If I fast and pray, you're going to give me something. And I remember struggling as a young Christian. Lord, I did this, and where are you? But as time went on, I realized you fast and pray and seek his face, and you just let it go. Let it go. Let it rest in the hands of the Lord. And I could tell you numerous times, after I fast and pray, sometimes it would be two weeks, three weeks, or two months later, all of a sudden the revelation or answer would come, and I'm like, God, here it is. And he would say, remember, you fasted. I'm now rewarding you. Don't lock God into a time frame. Never. If you do, you're going to be very disappointed and discouraged in God. But if we pray from our heart to Him and want His best and seek His face, it might be two weeks, two months, two years, five years. Remember, Abraham had to wait many years for Isaac. We lock God into a box many times. Let's not do that. Let's seek His face. Continually. Many times God speaks back to this before you make a weighty decision. Make make time um, to talk to your brothers and sisters about uh, situations as well. I never regretted asking for advice. I think we need that more and more. And that is a revelation of humility. When I go ask my brothers about a situation, it will betray to them that you're coming, and it's humbling to do that, and they're going to see the example of humility coming forth from your life. Do that, brothers and sisters. You won't go wrong. Seek the peace of God through each decision. Make sure you have the peace of God. And I have wrestled with this back in 2017. There was something in my life that I thought I was doing right. And I was building this whole thing in my mind. But I was struggling and struggling and struggling. And I couldn't find total peace until I said, Lord, if it's not of you, my understanding, I said, take it away. And I still remember that day. It, it just it just left. All the struggling and wrestling in my soul that I thought I might have to do was only a buildup in my mind of what I thought Jesus wanted me to do. And it was my own understanding. I was trying to help God. I was questioning some things about life. And when I said, Lord, if it's of you, intensify this struggle. So I know what you want me to do. But if it's not of you, take it away completely. And at that incident, God took it away. And I was like at rest and peace. And I knew God wanted me to stay right there. I was thinking about doing something um, and moving out and um, pursuing something else. But God said, I want you here. Relax. Rely on me. Stay the course. Always seek the counsel of your parents, young people. You never go wrong. They've been through the wars of life. 
the struggles, the rough terrain, and they know, seek advice. We should always ask the question before we do things, um, is this going to stimulate pride in my life or humility? The houses we buy or build. Why are we doing it? Young guys, when you buy a vehicle, what is actually the governing master in your life? You're going to buy this vehicle because you want to be known in the valley. I'm smart. I'm intelligent. I got the money. I can do it for the praise and recognition of others. I think we ought to pursue everything under the umbrella of humility. If you want God in the fullness, you're going to have to channel your life after the great I am. Clothing, what we wear, is a tremendous revelation of our heart. We can speak otherwise. Let's put on clothes. And I always say to the congregation, put on mild colors. Not flashing, eye-catching colors that stimulate the flesh. And we all know what they are if we're real and honest with the truth. Because if we don't put on these clothes that are mild and tempered, people are going to say, oh, you look beautiful. That's one. That's gorgeous, that wonderful dress. And your heart's going to swell and your head's going to swell and you're going to lose your connection with Jesus. What we want is more connection, more Christ-likeness. Christ has not given us a boring life. He's not trying to restrict us and restrain us into a mode that we just feel like we're just, we can't do anything. He wants to give us abundant life in Him. Yet it's the narrow way of saying no to the flesh. The more I give to Him, the more He blesses me. What about technology? The things that you pursue in that given realm. Is pride ruin your life or humility? That smartwatch or whatever it is. Is it dictate, what's dictating your life? What about your businesses or your business you have? The decisions you make day after day is a stimulating pride. I had many opportunities to build my crew up to 15, 20 guys. I had the demand. I had the calls. I had the jobs. And I said, no, I'm going to stay small. And I have never regretted that. I had three guys working for me for many, many years. And I have one more, uh, four guys now. And I wish sometimes it was back where it was three. I let the world go by. It's going to wreck our families. It's going to take our brain power. It's going to destroy us. And the more we're involved in this world, people are going to turn their heads and admire us. We need to pursue the simplicity of life. Pursue humility. The way you comb your hair is a demonstration of humility or pride. And we have all kinds of weird, bizarre haircuts. And I wish they were all just out there, but they're among us too. And the churches are struggling today with with these haircuts. Well, who's calling the shots? What are you really trying to pursue? Is it Jesus or is it the world and its values? Remember I said, God will be against the proud, but give grace to the humble. You know, Satan is trying to convince us all that all these choices that we make will not affect us. You can do it. The world is is uh, the pursuit of your heart. Just go do it, and it won't affect you. But everything you do will affect your heart one way or another.
All choices will bear fruit. And I love that one verse there in Romans. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't we wanting to put on him? Put on humility. And it's a, it's a spirit condition as well as an outward demonstration. Some people say that's all you have to do is put on the spirit of humility. And that's all you need. No. Christ wants holiness. He wants outward attire, outward outworkings of the kingdom of humility, not just a spirit. Both married together in its fullness is his delight. Let's be the lowly pilgrims and strangers in this world. And I want our churches, I want our, I want us to win in the kingdom of God. And it's sad, it grieves my heart to see what's happened in the church of Jesus Christ. Leaders putting other leaders out, power struggles. It just grieves my heart. There's going to be repercussion of all these things that happen. Little children are looking on. Young people are looking on. And I can tell you a lot of things that are happening among the church of Jesus Christ. And it grieves me deeply. Brothers and sisters, let's put on the humility of Christ. Let's walk in humbleness. Let him have all the glory. We want to see his glorious face someday. We're going to have to walk in the light of Christ. Not according to our own understanding. So let's pursue. Let's make choices that bear fruit that these little children grow up and, and they say, I want to be like dad. I want to be like so and so because he's on fire. He loves Jesus. But I think too many times they see division. They see strife and they see bickering among us and and they just hang their head down and they just say well if this is the kingdom of god the alternative is nothing but the world and they pursue the world and there's a whole church i know lost a whole generation of youth because of the bickering and the fighting among adult men in the congregation god help us christ says it's better for a millstone to be hanged about your neck than to offend one of these little ones there's been a lot of blood on our hands. Brothers and sisters, are we faithful? Are we humble? Are we demonstrating fruit of righteousness in our choices? Or is self and I on the throne calling the shots in the kingdom of God? May God bless you as you serve here. It's been a privilege to be among you here. And my prayer is that you be faithful, that we could all be together someday in heaven. God bless you. There is coming a day when the heart